From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're learning from our esteemed veteran registered investment advisor, Adam Morse, and our human economic database and fearless CIO, Michael French. And today, we're talking about the economy. Is it in a recovery? And if it is, how can we tell? Michael and Adam discuss, as usual, pretty thoroughly. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we also hope you and your family are staying safe and enjoying life. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today, Adam? What's going on? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, still in this lockdown mode. Uh, obviously, in Texas, we're seeing a couple things open up here. So, um, ventured out a few times for some carry out. That was a nice change of pace. Uh, but, you know, when the highlight of my last couple of weeks has been I got carry out, uh, kind of tells you it's been a pretty quiet, quiet season other than other than work related stuff. How are you guys doing? Hey, hey I, I went one. and got I went and got gas. Woohoo! Big day. Yeah, it was. And, and the funny thing is, you know how you have to select what kind of gas you want. You get used to just pressing the right sequence of buttons and entering. You know, like doing all the stuff just automatically. I totally had to think my way through it. <laughs> it's been I was, a while. It's been a while, and I was like, oh, "Wait, what do I do again? What? Which which cheap. gas do yeah. I like? Oh yeah, it was cheap." <laughs> But we were down to, uh, in my wife's car, so we've, I mean, you know, driven one car, basically. We were down to a quarter of a tank, and I was super excited to have an opportunity to go do anything. Right. So away I went. Well, it's definitely strange times. Um, But in some states, I think we're starting to see a move toward trying to open. So I guess that kind of feeds into what we're going to be talking about today. because obviously we can open up the economy, but does that mean we're going to be in a recovery? Um, hey, Adam, can you quit doing my job like way better than me? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm 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 ahead of the game here. That was so a beautiful much on my mind. He's 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 uh, gonna need to hurry because he has to go, you know, buy gas and take out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, Michael, are are we in a recovery? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's a question that's on everybody's mind. Um, one, the, the, the real answer, uh, interestingly, a recovery is something that is always uh, declared afterwards in the same way that a recession is declared afterwards. And um, what's curious about this is that you, if you are employed, if you're fully employed and the economy starting to reopen and you realized, oh, I've got some extra money to spend because, you know, maybe the, the stimulus check helped you out. Um, it's going to feel a lot like, wow, we're really in a recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lost your job, you work in an industry that's been uh, significantly affected, Uh, the stock market has recovered. But if you still don't have a job, it's going to feel like you're not in a recovery. And so, um, you know, Adam and I have talked about the fact that there's really a number, there's kind of six different signs uh, that people would look to. Uh, So like I mentioned, unemployment, um, 
and you would say, well, uh, unemployment is at an all-time high. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it today, Adam? Forty million Americans unemployed. Yep. So let's take that that one statistic and say that's the only one we're going to use. Then are we in a recovery? No. Um, consumer spending is, you know, something that you look at and you say, um, well, if we're in a recovery, people are going to be spending money and feeling good about it. So consumer spending or consumer sentiment. Um, It's hard to spend money on things when you don't get to go out and shop. I mean, I think we can all shop on Amazon, but um, if you're one of those people who wants to get out and about, then you're going to say, well, I'm not getting out and about and spending money. So maybe you're going to feel like, no, uh, there's, there is no, there is no recovery happening. Uh, on the flip side, Adam, stock market, uh, you would yeah. say, hey. And, and the problem with looking at solely the stock market and why it's so important to not overly focus on one indicator or one number is because, for instance, you know, you look at unemployment, like you said, it's incredibly high. But if you look at the stock market, it can jump over a day, you know, three, four, five percent, just based on something the Fed says, or based on um, some legislation that's going to get passed, or that we think is going to get passed. So you have to take all these things holistically, um, and it's also important too because it, it can be a very um, individual feeling thing. Like if I were to ask, um, we were talking earlier, Michael, you mentioned that you have a neighbor that owns his own business and um, they've been hiring like crazy over the last couple of weeks. So right. if you ask him, we are absolutely, maybe he never even experienced the recession. Maybe he has just yeah. been in full growth mode. Yeah. But if you ask, you know, food service industry workers, um, if you ask, I know a lot of folks here where it hasn't been quite as hard hit. There are some healthcare workers that have been furloughed, hotel industry workers. We're absolutely in the middle of a recession, and we're not—we're nowhere near a recovery. So you have to look at these different data points holistically and try to come up with a picture that makes sense. Now, I won't shy away from the fact of saying I don't know yet. Um, my personal feeling is I don't feel confident enough to say that we are in a recovery. Um, I think it's interesting, though, if you look back, and we spent another episode, um, I want to say maybe three or four episodes ago, talking about you know, historical recoveries and what those looked like. But another interesting take on it, there was an article, I want to say in the New York Times, um, and he broke out, Paul Krugman broke out six different recoveries. And what was interesting is the three recoveries that took place before 1990, one took place in 70, 75, and 82. And then he broke out three that took place after 1990, the 91 uh, recession, 01 tech bubble and 09, the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. If you look at the three post-1990 recoveries, they were very long and, and uh, smoothly sloped on the graph, right? So there was not an instant yeah. spike in growth, an instant spike in, in unemployment falling. There was this long trajectory that it took to recover. If you look at the three uh, prior to 1990, the 70, 75, and 82, from the moment that the bottom was hit, the recovery was quite steep. And so the question to ask is, well, which one is this more like? Are we more like the pre-1990 or the post-1990? And his take, and I think I tend to agree with him, is that this is more like the pre-1990 
re uh, recessions and recoveries. And the reason is, is because his argument is those recessions were based on an outside shock. And in that case, it was the Fed with coming in with really high interest rates to try to stem inflation. Whereas post-1990, like the Great Recession, the tech bubble, those were all um, uh, systemic issues, right, within the economy itself, not an outside shock to the economy. So the corollary would be what we're seeing today with COVID is an outside shock to the system. And once it is relented, right, once it's relieved, then we should see a quick bounce back. So that's one option. I would tend to agree with him. Uh, that could just be my optimistic tendencies. Um, but it seemed to make sense to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think that when we def when we dis define a recovery, um, you know, if you said, well, are we are we coming out of the bottom? Well, the answer there has to be yes, just because states are reopening. I mean, even states that have been a little more locked down, a little less, uh, a little more cautious about reopening. Even those states are starting to reopen. So you would you would have to say, well, then we definitely hit the bottom of something. It doesn't mean that you individually have recovered. Uh, it doesn't mean that you individually still aren't experiencing some of the the negative. And then the question, I guess, that follows on there is, okay, so what's the recovery going to look like if we say, okay, yep, we've already started? Um, it, it, it's. I think that when we talk about, for instance, the small businesses that might never reopen, um, if you are a person who owned that business, um, you are not going to necessarily experience the recovery in the same way that a person who used to work for you might. Because maybe if you owned the business and you didn't have the capital to make it through this and the government assistance wasn't useful to you, then the recovery might look like uh, instead of you reopening your restaurant, you managing somebody else's restaurant and becoming, instead of a, a business owner, an employee. Uh, for your employees who were waitstaff, um, as the next restaurant reopens, they're going to go back and, and work in that restaurant. Uh, a good friend of mine is an orthopedic surgeon, and you know you don't need to have uh, your Achilles and stuff like that worked on in the middle of a pandemic. And so uh, he basically was out of work for a couple of months, but now uh, he's slammed and they're trying to hire all the people back that um, they furloughed. A lot of those people are getting more in unemployment than they would if they came back to work. And so some people are hesitant to come back to work. Um, most, For the most part, people would rather work than take an extra month of unemployment and risk not having a job, especially when there's 40 million people who are going to be willing to compete for that job. Right. So I think we are actually um, recovering and I think what will happen most likely is we will see either sporadic outbreaks where, uh, you know, what happened over, uh, was it uh, Labor Day weekend, and you had, you know, people who are not practicing social distancing. And uh, the media immediately jumps on that. And, well, parts of the media, I guess, you know, maybe there's a bias um, and, and says, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. There's going to be a massive outbreak. 
This is yeah. going to be terrible. I think what's going to happen is either that will prove to be true and it will prolong the recovery. It'll it'll make it flatter or we will find out, wow, this is not nearly as bad as we were told or as we all maybe thought it would be. And so I can get out. I can be around people. I may get sick. I may catch something that, you know, I've never caught before. But a lot of us are just going to catch it and survive. And so then in that case, uh, the economy recovers a lot quicker because people would say, well, I'd rather catch a cold but go about my life than live locked down in my house uh, just because. That, of course, doesn't apply to people who are immunocompromised or who have children who uh, may have lower immune systems or be prone to catching uh, some things. Right. But overall, I think that we're just going to, especially over this summer, um, nobody wants to just stay locked inside. And so we're going to see something. And if what we see is, yeah, this was no big deal, um, I think the economy by the fall is significantly recovering. We are opening restaurants, et cetera. I, I, I can do tell you this. What I think is interesting about what you said is, you know, we already mentioned that it's important to look at all these different indicators holistically. And this past weekend, Memorial Day is a good example because you see all these media stories with a negative, I mean, at least what I saw, um, mm -hmm. most of the coverage negative. of these gatherings were negative, right? It was, Absolutely. wow, these people have no care in the world, selfish, you know, yeah. um, not good citizens, whatever the case may be. And, and I'm not taking a side on that one where the other, it's, it's, the media's take, and that's fine. But what's mm -hmm. interesting to me when it comes to the economy is how that feeds into consumer sentiment. Because I, the question becomes, well, what's happening first? Are people staying in because it is actually bad out there? And so they're not spending their money, they're not going to restaurants, they're not taking trips. Or are they reading stories about it's going to be so bad, and so they're not going out? And so I, I think what will occur at some point is as the restrictions loosen, as folks get out there and, you know, they take their first trips to, you know, restaurants or uh, pools or whatever the case is, even if they do so responsibly, they'll start to see, okay, you know, the virus is not on every corner waiting to take me out. It's absolutely real and it should be respected. But I think what you'll see is these compounding effects of consumer sentiment starts to pick up a little bit. The fear starts to lessen. As we've talked about before, we're going to continue to get more data around the virus in general, how to treat it, how to avoid it, how long it lasts, how long it incubates. And all these things combined to kind of turn one factor at a time. So that consumer sentiment starts to turn, which in turn starts to increase consumer spending, which in turn starts to increase, uh, you know, managerial orders and, and business purchases, which in turn, you know, in, increases the economy in general. So yeah. I think it just takes time for these cogs to kind of get in motion. But I, I do agree with you in broad strokes that I, I think we're getting there. Um, I think it just takes time. And I think it, the other thing is in a really micro way, I think it matters when you think about a recovery, I'll just give you an example. Um, we were planning summer vacation since a lot of plans have been canceled. Uh, Sarah, my wife, goes out onto uh, uh, VRBO to rent a house down, uh, down on the coast. And 
we typically, when we go on some of these vacations, we go with uh, two of our closest friends and their families. Uh, one family has five kids. The other family has three kids. And typically we rent a very large house and we all just live on the beach. And it's, you know, a grand old time for everybody except for me because I'm an introvert. And um, this, a couple weeks ago, you could rent a very large house for almost nothing because nobody was renting houses and sharing them. And, you know, uh, everybody was wanting to go with just their little, little family. And so smaller houses were, were basically being sold out. Um, now, uh, looking at the dates we were looking at and everything, almost all the houses are, are gone. And what's interesting for me is my wife is a very cautious person. And so she doesn't want to go and stay with these other families. She would like us all to go and rent three separate houses or we'll rent a house and you two families can rent your own house. But it's changed um, just in the last two weeks. I can tell you um, the, the prices that people are able to command for rental properties, for vacation properties straight on lakes. Up. Yeah, straight back, straight up. back up. Because uh, why? Well, in our case, all of our kids' summer activities have been canceled. Um, so there's not a lot. We haven't spent any money. Uh, you know. And, and so you say, well, we've kind of conserved this cash unintended, really. But um, since the kids can't go anywhere, uh, since you know, all this stuff is canceled, well, let's, let's go to the coast. And um, those prices that people are charging, you're like, yeah, I would pay that because we need to get out of here for a week. Yep. Um, so I think that there's there's definitely a recovery. And it was, um, you know, it was evident, like the, the small houses recovered quick. And now even the big houses are recovering because people are like, yeah, I'll stay with my friends. Yeah. And so um, now I definitely should, seen it. I, I think it'd be good to kind of point out especially for something like, you know, again, we keep saying this is a different scenario than anything we've seen. And it is, I, I think it'd probably be good. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it's not you know the most exciting thing in the world, but just to kind of touch on the fact that not all recoveries are, you know, a straight line up. Um, there can be hitches along the way. Uh, there's this kind of phraseology that's used and you've probably seen it on the internet right now called alphabet soup, right? And what that's referring to is, the different ways a recovery can look on a graph. So you have the, the typical V shape, which is a sharp downturn, sharp upturn. That's probably the cleanest. You have the W, which is just two of those sequences back to back. Um, you have a fairly new one that I, I came across in an article talking about the, the square root recovery, right? And that's if, if you remember from high school or junior high, the, the square root symbol in math. So you have a downturn, then you have a pretty sharp upturn, but then about halfway up that upturn, it flattens out. And then it takes some time to get back to the original point on the graph where the downturn started. Um, some think we're in that situation. My only point in bringing that up is, as what Michael was saying earlier, you know, things like beach houses, the prices are going back up. Um, things like video games, those prices are, are high. Um, things like air travel, I know some of the some of the fares have gone up for different cities uh, in the U.S. While that's true, it doesn't mean that, especially in something like this, where there's a lot of talk about a second spike in the in the curve. If that were to happen, then yeah, it would not be. Uh, 
a bad bet to say the market could dip again. So it wouldn't just be this straight march up. Um, But even if that were to be the case, I think that we are better suited to handle a second spike than we were the initial outbreak, right? So I don't think it would be as severe. Um, All that aside, though, talking in broad terms, I think it would be good to spend a little bit of time talking about for someone that's listening to this right now, so you're going, well, that's all fine and good. You know, it's nice to know about graphs and economic trends and indicators, but what does this mean for me? Um, how should I prepare, whether I'm the guy that owns the business hiring people, whether I'm the guy that owns the business firing people, whether I'm the waiter that got laid off three weeks ago, what can I do to take part in this recovery or to prepare if it does take longer than expected? That sounds like a great Michael question. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. If you are currently employed versus unemployed, it's going to be a vast difference. If you're currently retired, um, this is all going to maybe be a moot point to you. Um, I think so. When we think about it, we think about it in terms of asset allocation. How should you be invested? But if you take a step back from that, I think one of the real questions that you're going to want to answer is, should I be investing or saving? And so, you know, we don't normally go through any sort of, you know, uh, personal, you know, talking to people about, do you have six months of savings and all this? Uh, We do it in in retirement spending because we don't want people to have to get caught selling at times like we just went through. Um, So we tend to protect clients from that. But I think when you when you think about it, for the for most people, you need to have a cushion, Uh, maybe You've never thought you needed a cushion before. Um, I think one of the dangers of this has been that a lot of people have not lost their jobs. And so you may uh, now have an illusion that tells you, wow, 40 million people were unemployed and my job was still safe. I must be bulletproof. Um, I don't really need a cushion. And I think that's really dangerous because I think it's 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 wise and valuable for anybody to have uh some months of savings set aside, whatever that is for you. Um, The other thing I would say is that if you are unemployed, um, getting out there and hustling and finding uh, a lot of the gig work that is, you know, um, available, but also being one of the people that's first in line to say, I'd be willing to go back to work uh, because there are people uh, who are saying, no, I'd rather stay home still. Um, I, I don't feel necessarily comfortable going back to work and the unemployment, you know, takes care of me right now. Um, from a perspective of how do you invest um, diversification? And we talk about it all the time. But diversification has really been something that's benefited people um, this year, maybe more than in the past four or five. I think mm-hmm. in the past four or five years, you could invest in, uh, the S&P 500 U.S. large cap stocks, and you beat the world. Uh, this year, you, especially if you look uh, starting at the bottom, coming back up, you would have been better off investing in value companies, uh, in emerging companies, uh, I'm sorry, emerging markets, um, certain emerging markets. And, and so there's just been a real value uh, in being diversified this year. You've, you've definitely felt a shock uh, unless you were in a hundred percent fixed income portfolio, but 
if you think about it going forward and you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who buys 50% S&P and 50% of my portfolio is in uh, long duration tips, I should be fine. Um, you've, you've had a big shock uh, that would have been a little bit less if you had been uh, more appropriately diversified to get across different asset classes. So, I love that, Michael. Um, specifically, the stuff you said first, because you know I, I want people to know, you know, if they come listen to this podcast and, and any of our podcasts, that they can rely on us to at least give them real, hopefully, insight. I don't. I hate to call it advice because I don't claim to have life figured out by any stretch, but um, real, tangible things that are attainable. Uh, you know, it's all well and good to have these big kind of policy views that are so big on the internet. And, you know, should there be universal basic income? Should we have rent forgiveness? Should we have, you know, should we double the unemployment benefit? Those are all, I'm not saying those aren't valid conversations. And there are people that um, are qualified to have those conversations and to inform the public on what to think about those arguments. But for me, what always helps me in situations is, you know, I don't control any of that stuff, at least today. Maybe 10 years from now, that'll be something that affects me. But today, you know, Wednesday, Thursday morning, when I get out of bed, what do I control, right? right. What are the things I can do right now that are going to make me better off when I go to bed tonight than I was when I woke up? And things like saving are mm -hmm. just anybody can save. I don't care how much money you make. You can save 50 cents a day. You can save a dollar a day. Now, is that going to be life-changing well maybe not today but it's building habits that will be life-changing and it is always going to it's never going to fail you right it's never going to to destroy your life to be conservative rather right. than risky it's never going to put you in a worse position to save rather than to spend and so doing things like that like you said being the being the person you know obviously health things aside, if you're immunosuppressing those issues, but if you're healthy and if you're, if you can do it safely, being one of the first to say, you know what, I'm going to go back to work, even if I can make marginally more on unemployment, not because it makes me better off today, but because the sooner I get back to my career, the sooner I can be further ahead 10 years from now, five years from now. So it's, it's doing those little things that ultimately all it comes down to is just personal responsibility and doing the right thing each time. And just keep doing the next right thing, and you will make it through. It won't be easy. That's not what we're guaranteeing. And I don't want people to come to this podcast thinking we have magic silver bullets because we don't. There is no magic silver bullet. Even as a company, you know, we have to look at things and say, okay, value as an asset class is underperformed. Now, we could sit here and just complain about it and say, well, not our fault. And it's not our fault, but ultimately, no one cares that it's not our fault. Our job is to build the best allocations for our clients that we can. And so we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, are we doing every possible thing we can to control what we can control? And so it's just taking that same ethos and that same philosophy and, you know, trying to apply it to our personal lives. And, you know, hopefully uh, if people can take advantage of it and, and wrap their heads around that, it will put them in a better position to take advantage of, you know, whatever recovery we have ahead of us looks like, however long it may take. Man, well said. That's my soapbox for the day. Love it. That's a good soapbox. He was like preacher, preacher on Sunday. I feel so hyped now. <laughs> See, I, I, I don't want to preach. That's not my goal. But I am passionate about it. I love that kind of, 
you know, just, just doing the small things that you can because small things every day add up to really big things. Dude, yeah. So true. Okay. I got a fun final question, um, for both of you and I want you to answer it individually and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll close this puppy up. So in one minute or less, Michael, how will this recovery play into politics concerning the Trump election? One minute or less. Yeah. If, if it, if, if we recover and uh, the president is able to say, hey, we recovered and uh, I'm amazing and, uh, you know, I've been in charge, I got us back up, then he wins re-election pretty easily. Uh, I just think, you know, he gets energized. If we hit a second uh, spike and the wheels come off and people say, well, it's because all those Republican states reopened. Um, yeah, I don't think he survives that. Okay, Adam, I'm going to rephrase the question for you. Which way yeah. do you think it will go? Mm. One minute or less. Well, I have a I, I have a, a bet I would place, but it's not really because I think I know which way it's going to go. Um, I think no matter what happens, I think whether we recover or don't, I think affects the margins. Obviously, it will affect those that are someone will change their vote if they are directly affected by the recovery yes. or the lack thereof. For a lot of people, though, there's still a lot of people that haven't lost their jobs. And in my opinion, when I look at the political spectrum, most people are dug in regardless of, you know, the facts. I think if you're a, a you know, right wing Trump supporter, I don't think that you're really blaming Trump for the coronavirus. I don't necessarily know that you would blame any president for the coronavirus. There's not really a blueprint for that. If you're on the left, you're definitely going to say, well, he didn't re react to it quickly enough. There were policy decisions he made that were flawed. So I don't know if whether or not we recover is going to change either of those two sides. I don't think it's going to move someone from the right to the left or vice versa. I think if you're one of those intermediate, marginal people that has been directly affected, it could sway it. Um, but my my gut feeling is that he wins re-election just based on the fact that I, I don't think enough people that were on those margins – um, have had enough happen to change their viewpoint. I, I just think people are so dug in on these things and so unwilling to kind of consider other viewpoints. And I'm talking on both sides here that I, I, I think inertia is going to carry the day. Um, but again, I know there's a lot of correlation between markets and, and presidential re-election. So um, we'll see. I could be wrong. Interesting. All right, guys, anything more to add before we wrap this one up? No, that was good. Yeah, enjoyed it. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, next time. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks, Jared. If you have a question for either Michael or Adam concerning this topic or anything else, please visit assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every single episode. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com.